Hey everybody! Uh, I don't know why I always slur that, but I do. Hey everybody! It's episode five. It's because you're doing announcer voice. Hey everybody! Hey everybody! Welcome to uh, another episode of your favourite show on politics and culture. It's a weakness for bleakness. <laughs> we're feeling a little oh, yeah. wacky in the studio here this morning, so uh, what we're going to do is get ourselves started. Uh, with some headlines. We need to stop this bit I now. A modest house, a picket fence, a couple kids, some common sense, a job to pay your mortgage or your rent. And all these goals are understood, but misery is a public good, so come and feed your sorrows till you're spent. Well, just to come, the captain said, the iceberg's only dead ahead, the men will keep the engines fed, I have a deal with God. We're at the end of history, there ain't a hope for you or me, when workers philanthropically believe in the economy. But what if it's the tired eyes, the poison earth, the boiling skies, and everyone their own depths rise, remember when the world was wise, we know, no, no. All right, yeah, yeah, let's let's get started with some headlines. Would you like to go first or second? I can go first. Wonderful. This article comes to us from the Associated, well, the Australian Associated Press, which mm. means we don't have a journalistic profile attached to it, but mm-hmm. it's still news. Wonderful. Uh, Labor's Victoria Party conference has basically been turned off by the CFMEU and the AWU. Yes, uh, interesting. In an example of quote democracy at work. Uh, CFMEU power broker, John mm-hmm. Setka, who apparently mm. is not corrupt. He's been cleared <laughs> of all charges. There's democracy at work for us to stop the debate right now and go home. <laughs> because we're very, very worried yeah. that the public might become aware of how incredibly fucking conflicted our party is. Yeah. Which is actually fine. I think a lot of Labour members would rather mm. know- that the public, the party I mean, was divided rather than just wholly evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing, right? Like, I keep fucking bringing it back to the la- uh, the leadership contest between, I know it's state versus federal, but between Shorten and Albanese, that when they were like, we're going to invite some member participation and stuff, people fucking went nuts for that. Yeah. I think that generally Labour's base- yeah, yeah, yeah. There's something uh, attractive about democracy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think that you're right. I think Labor's base would very much appreciate some transparency. I think people are ready for it rather than just, yeah, I not so. being told every anything and therefore having to draw the conclusion that everybody's a dickhead. Uh, Gavin Jennings, mm-hmm. who is a, a Victorian Labor grandee, um, is very confused by what's just happened. Mm. He's like, these unions never work together. <laughs> One of them's hard left, the other one's hard right. Mm. So I can only assume that there is some procedural issue at foot that they're having a hissy fit about. I'm hoping- Actually, Mm. I don't know. It's down to the conscience of the listener as to which is worse. Either they have both decided that the debate itself mustn't be had. Yeah. Or they're just prepared to shaft everything because Mm. they feel the procedures haven't been followed properly. Yeah. Or haven't been followed in their favour. So uh, do me a little rundown of like- What's happening? Why they've put the kibosh on this thing? Well, Gavin Jennings himself doesn't know. He's Mm. speculated that the unions would rather basically, yeah, pull the plug out of the conference and march off um, than sit and have a policy debate. 
he, it doesn't look like the unions themselves have any policy points they that overlap that they feel are being threatened. Mm. So it looks as though it's some sort of ridiculous internal procedural bullshit. Interesting. Worthy of the American Democrats. Yeah. Um, Wonderful. That has meant that, amongst other people, um, Ged Kearney, the new mm. Batman MP, who was going to make a, a powerful speech yep. about um, our refugee and asylum seeker policies, mm-hmm. won't get a chance to do that. That's, uh, and yeah, that's it a shame. was potentially sparked by a motion put forward from the left of the party right. that was specifically aimed at addressing the state government's stance on this issue. Interesting. That, uh, but again, we mm. don't have, because it was never taken to a debate, we don't have actual detail on what that was until it's yeah. leaked later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until it's leaked inevitably in a couple of days. Um, or it's found in a piece of secondhand furniture. <laughs> oi, oi, oi. Uh, completely misplaced <laughs> reference there. Um, An old reference. Yeah, yeah. I, I like to- I like it. Dredge up the, uh, the dregs of- other fucking podcasts References and TV past. shows. Yeah. <laughs> um, interesting. Uh, this for Ged. Is it Ged or Jed? I can't imagine it's Jed. It's got to be yeah, Ged. Ged. For her, this would have been an important kind of uh, move to like reassure people that uh, they'd made the right choice in not voting for Alex. Yeah, Bartol, absolutely. Or her name was. Um, it was a yes. very important moment for the Labour left faction, really. Mm. And it's been, it, as is almost always the case, it's been hoiked away. Yep. And I think we can expect little support from the <laughs> body of the press that get up in arms about free speech whenever oh, a right winger is deplatformed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 not at all. It's going to be. I don't know, are people even going to cover it except as, like, Labour is fractured again? That's literally how everyone's covering it, yeah. Yeah, yeah, great. I love it. And the Herald Sun and um, the Australia- Or the News Corps. Boys are digging out all their old headlines about union bosses and- Yeah. All that- Great. All that gumph. It's good to know that we're still stuck in this rut uh, in Australia that- the debates are still so easily controlled and parceled out uh, in the old media ways, whereas elsewhere it seems like this shit is getting less traction. But I don't know. I could be off on that. Well, yeah. We sort of had our period of institutional innovation in the 1880s. <laughs> yeah. And that's kind of been it, really. So we have to wait for the next <laughs> triple eclipse or whatever. Yeah. For the conjunction. Um <laughs> Fucking wonderful. Uh, well, so basically, Labour Party fails members again. Is yeah, that's my headline. Wonderful. Uh, all right. Um, I have. Let's stay in Australia for now. Uh, from Ian Verenda uh, for ABC News: Why Australia's governments, banks, and economy don't want affordable housing? And um, yeah, essentially, uh, real estate prices on high-end property in the cities are falling. Ooh. And everybody's kind of freaking out about it because, of course, we've created this situation where uh, homes don't exist anymore. Houses do. They've been turned into assets. And now our entire fucking our entire fucking economy 
rests on a pillar which grows using less and less material. Yeah, it's just running around promissory notes, and the promissory mm. notes are things that people should be living in. They're important assets. Yeah, yeah. It's creating an entire system with the knowledge that it, ha- like, that it can't continue. And just being like, well, I hope I'm not holding the fucking park when yeah. it all falls down. But this now, is why course- we have three-year terms, right? So yeah. everyone's got a reasonable chance of getting out of office. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> and now the people who are holding the park are like, oh, it's unacceptable that successive governments and uh, bank leaders and all of that had so much success before us. And now we're seeing the, the industry shrink. What a fucking raw deal this is. Oblivious to the fucking this identical cries of the Properties populace. are still worth a fucking fortune, though. Like, yeah, yeah. If it, if it loses 10% of its value today mm. and you bought it five years ago, you've still doubled your money. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it's definitely not crashing or anything like that or returning to affordable levels, but it's just, like, when it does, if this is the level that people are freaking out about it, and if it's seen as such a crisis now when it's just shrinking a little bit and rural real estate is still growing apace uh, and, like, suburban real estate is still growing, I think. Yeah. And even in the cities, less costly housing is still gaining. So it's literally just expensive property in the city that's shrinking and people are freaking out about it. So well, when people have been using that as a b- bargaining chip. So well, if it yeah. goes down by 10%, yeah. that, that leaves a massive hole in their- Loaning and borrowing scheme, basically. Yeah, exactly. Well, it's it's the same as if the, like, luxury yacht market goes down. It's not boats as a whole, but <laughs> there are a bunch of people with some very uh, vested interests in the luxury yacht uh, market. But if they're freaking out at this level for this small, like, on a broad scale yeah. uh, problem, like, what is it going to be like when, if, when the- the bubble pops the actual and the housing shit- market collapses. Well, yeah. I mean, um, apart it's- from the fact that we'll all be fucking eating each other and riding around <laughs> on rusty motorbikes or whatever. Oh, Mad Max will be so much fun. Except yeah. there won't be any petrol. That's the yeah, exactly. the big weakness in Mad I cannot- Max. Where does all this refined petroleum <laughs> come yeah, from? Yeah. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many hours I have wasted stressing about. <laughs> How I'm going to situate myself when Mad Max comes through without petrol. And <laughs> I'm right. like, all right, I got it. I've got it. This week, I've actually got to look up the address of that gun shop so that I know where to I go early. We'll be okay. We went to good schools. We've had horse riding lessons. We'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have had horse riding lessons because my sister was into horses, man. Uh, so the whole family got pulled along for that. I don't like it. I don't like transport that can think for itself. It's fucking terrifying. I don't Especially like skittish transport that can think for itself oh, and is yeah. prone to panic. In it's a ab- bit like trying to ride a resource bubble. Oh, what a- with a panicky market underneath you <laughs> that goes, fuck a tree! Ah! <laughs> like, <laughs> sorry, I thought it was a bunyip. Are you okay, boss? Mm. Your head's a bit broken there. <laughs> yeah, cannibals uh, seem to be chewing on you. <laughs> What a canny link, Darcy. Thank you. Well done. Would you like to give us another headline? Yes, with an apology. The previous story was, in fact, from the ABC, Mm. and the journalist reporting was Jane Norman. This story is from the Australian Associated Press. Uh, Sorry, Jane. Sorry, Jane. 
This is um, the new president of the Australian Medical Association, who hopefully is either Tony Bartoni or mm-hmm. Tony Bartone. Because yes. then we get Tone Bartone or Tony Bartoni. Yeah. If it's Tony Bartone, then fuck him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's the new president of the Australian Medical Association. He's a general practitioner. Mm-hmm. And he has warned Greg Hunt that the uh, medical association's patience is wearing thin, that the system, the public system, mm. is comprehensively starved of funds, yep. and that uh, if something beyond rhetoric is not done at some point, he didn't give a specific timeline, but soon, mm. then the Australian Medical Association may consider some sort of action against the government. Wow, it's happening. It's happening, yeah. This man, because he's a GP- Previous president of the association was an obstetrician, mm. I think, uh, a specialist of some kinds. Because Tony's a general practitioner, he's got much more experience with hospital referrals and general medical administration yep. than the previous specialist president. Right. And this is uh, his hobby horse, essentially, This or his high horse, really, not a hobby horse, yeah. is the fact that <clears throat> the public health care system is- yeah, being run into the ground, mm. and the uh, private healthcare system is flourishing, yes, which he's uh, fine with. Well, he yeah. doesn't. The last thing he wants is private healthcare funding being cut, because well, then the public no. healthcare system will get really snowed in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, he's basically given the the health minister an ultimatum, which mm. is try to run a health department, please. Mm. Yeah, good, good. F- for him, I guess, if we have to have- I mean, yeah, it makes total sense that he's pro the private sector because it's, yeah, taking stress off and, you know, presumably he has the interests of uh, doctors in mind yeah. and their earning potential and shit like that. Well, so. and, and there's an argument to be made for if wealthy people can afford their own healthcare, yeah, then I mean, they shouldn't be that's not using resources set aside for the poor. Yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. That's fine. That is fine. Roughly it's not fine because it well still our system rests on a, yeah, a shitty system of rich and poor, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Within it, the context, given what working, we have, and given, <laughs> given given what he's likely to be able to achieve, yeah. let's keep things really. Yeah, let's just go with some more money, please, for now, and then we can uh, upend things later. Um, At the moment, Saint Vincent's looks like mash. It's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please. Um, Geez, press conferences must have been terrible under the old president uh, with his specialist knowledge just being like, uh, if you would picture the health system as the collagenous subcutaneous tissue in the lower <laughs> calf, and everybody's just like, I'm fucking out. I, <laughs> I can't relate. I am a journalist and I understood <laughs> two of words in that sentence, which this- in fairness is only 50% fewer than normal. Yeah. Sorry, they'd say less than normal, wouldn't they? Because they're idiots. Yes. But with this guy, he can get up there and he can be like, it's cold season. Everybody has a cold, including the public health system. Ooh. Our spokespeople love a good shithouse analogy. They do, don't they? (laughs) Yeah. They can't fucking help themselves. Anyway, this is is good news because this is an independent body standing up to the government. Yeah. um, Which is the whole point of these independent bodies. Yeah. And- Well, no, I'll take issue with that. Usually it seems like when these independent bodies are set up, they're very carefully curated so that their purpose is to appear to be put in place to stand up to the (laughs) government. In an ideal world, the purpose Mm. of these independent bodies 
is to give the government of the day their professional advice, mm. regardless of the political circumstances. Yeah. Um, that never happens, as you have rightly pointed out. So it's, it's nice. Yeah. It's nice to see. It'll be interesting to see what his plans are, because Greg Hunt isn't going to give them more money. No, 100%. Uh, he's not, but he might start a uh, sort of snowball that can kind of reach its apotheosis at the election or something like that. Who yeah. knows? Oh, yeah. That'd be nice. You know, the jury is uh, still out. No, that's not right. We're yet to see if Tone Bar Tone- Tone Bar Tone's best option probably is rabble rousing, to be honest. Yeah. Then we'll start hearing the right wing talk about activist doctors to go along with their their activist judges. Activist doctors, activist (laughs) judges. Your duty shouldn't be to care about we the physical well-being or never justice of the country. Activist immigration ministers. <laughs> oh my god! They're coming for you, Jack O'Lantern. <laughs> <laughs> what a that dude fucking skeezes me bad. Um, all right, I I have another headline. I'm going to transition uh, away from our Virgin Shores just to because I like to remind everybody how absurd uh, most of this stuff is in the form that it takes. Oh, good. So, here is some, like, uh, internet of shit slash uh, late-stage capitalism ridiculousness. Um, It's just- it's sad and it's funny. Uh, A Chicago startup called Cameo lets you buy personalized messages from celebrities to surprise your friends with. This article is from Prachi Bardwaj- for the Business Insider. Mm. Ah, our old friends. Uh, our so old friends. Basically, this dickhead, Stephen Galanis, has made this app where you can pay a celebrity to record a video for you. So, like, giving you a shout-out or giving your friends a shout-out or something. And it's like, I think the cheapest one is either 5 or $20. Articles differ on this because right. we're not in the area of journalism, which demands rigor or accuracy. <laughs> in uh, fairness, I don't think this story can provide rigor no. or accuracy. And I think the most expensive <laughs> one um, is from Jordan Belfort, the, the real-life Wolf of Wall Street, oh, uh, yeah. who charges like 5000 or something for a video. Maybe more, maybe it's 20000 Yeah, I've seen but. his- um, I've seen his- presentations that he charges thousands for mm. they're not very valuable no no i can't imagine why a disgraced <laughs> criminal would be able to provide you with sound financial advice whose whole fucking fortune was built off of exploiting a weakness <laughs> well, in the system about, because he couldn't make money the legitimate way they're about how to make it in sales and mm. no one in that room looks like even oh, if yeah. he could give them advice, none of them are going to make it. Yeah. Sales. First step: don't look like a melted <laughs> wax candle. <Yeah. laughs> don't look like a depressed failure who's just ended up in sales. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And oh, then eighty percent of awesome. the people have to stand up and sadly filter out of the room, and the rest are left to delude themselves into thinking that they're so not that person. Is is Leonardo DiCaprio cheaper than Jordan Belfort, or is well, he just a, not? having anything to do with this I'm program. I'm so glad you asked. Uh, he is not having anything to do with this program. Uh, it's really just absolute B-graders. And this is how Stephen Galanis, tech wonderkind, is- uh, Oh, fuck it. Just get, get a load of this. This is how he frames it. He's talking about how it's not for A-grade celebs, it's for, for less famous people. Our goal is really- to help the 99% of talent monetize, Galanis told the Chicago Tribune. We think the Kardashians and Drakes of the world, they have so many outlets to make money and to engage with their fans. 
that this is just a great outlet for everybody else to boost their reach. So he's deliberately echoing uh, the the 1%, 99% uh, yeah, yeah. kind of thing that's taken on for, like... This was always going to happen. There's always going to end up with these capitalist rats. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Think, spare a thought for the 99%, such as uh, middling talent for the fucking Orioles <laughs> midfielder or something. I stepped way outside of my comfort zone with the sports one, but like, yeah. I can see the look on your face. Yeah. Have you ever wondered where the guy who played the dad on that pilot episode that you watched on YouTube, but it never got picked up and turned into a real series, what he's up to? Well, he can send you a message via Cameo. You can see his uh, despair and misery in real time in what about, front of you. I, so, I, I, I would pay for something that was fun from a select- like Before mm. Ultimate Warrior died, oh, I yeah. had plans, because he used to do- Ultimate Warrior's cheating, though. For a- but yeah, but like, for, for, for a actually pretty reasonable fee, yeah. he would do a personalised painting with a quote that he'd come up with. Yes. As yeah. a gift for somebody, and I was mm. going to get one for Marcus, and then Ultimate Warrior died from a heart attack. Yeah. Possibly when he read the quote that I wanted him to <laughs> put on the picture. But mm. that that's cool. That's yeah. a good celebrity present. Or, yeah. or, or if Lexington Steele wrote something on his <laughs> erection and photographed it as yeah. the ultimate dick pic, that'd be a good celebrity present. Yeah, sure. I mean, there's there's fun ways to do but this. Just a, just a hey, literally let's- talking head going, yeah, yeah, yeah. hello, James, it is. Yeah. Not, I don't know why I chose James as a struggle name. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody, remember me? Uh, <coughs> sorry, it's me, Roger Bartoli. You might remember me from episode four, season six of It's All About Kim. I was the police officer. You remember me. Anyway, uh, this is for Vanessa. Happy birthday. It's like, oh, yeah, thanks. What a fucking present. Thank you for that. Dennis Quaid would have been good. I'd have paid for Quaid. Dennis Quaid or Randy Quaid? Randy Quaid, sorry. Randy Quaid, I'd have paid yeah. for Randy Quaid to do one, because that would have been interesting. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's, if you just go onto YouTube and watch Randy Quaid's uh, fucking YouTube videos, there's, like, a good chance that You'll your find name a reference will crop to up you, in yeah, his point. insane yeah, word salad anyway. Uh, little disclaimer, yes, Ultimate Warrior was a piece of shit. That doesn't mean that he's not an entertaining fucking crazy uh, Ultimate Warrior. Yeah. Ultimate Warrior's- tend to be pretty shitty people. Mm. It's- it's- the one precludes the other, you know? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, he died- he died young. He got what was coming to him. He did. And he was still better than- than, um, Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan! (laughs) Yeah, uh, he was- Just as a- as a human being. I think he had iller intent than Hulk Hogan, because he was like- that's true. He but was he's super anti-gay and stuff. But he managed ironically to s- anti-gay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But he managed to step in the shit way less than Hulk Hogan, who's just a blithering fucking vain. A Donald dumbass. Trump of a wrestler. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's just Oh, fucking hell. Another great link because his whole thing was about America, true American. I am a real American. A fight for, for the, the rights of every, every man. man. Oh, that's inspiring. I need to sit down. Yeah. Well, uh, fuck off headlines. It's time for topics. Uh, and since we're talking about how fantastic America is, let's talk about the 1,500 kids that uh, the Department of Health and Human Services have lost. Uh, <laughs> boom, 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 boom. <laughs> 
This is uh, extremely bleak. It's great. Um, I'll run through the facts. So, uh, during the last three months of 2017, nearly 1,500 kids uh, were sort of immigrant kids were separated from their families, rehomed, and then they, they lost them. They don't know where they are. Uh, they, these, oh no, these kids were unaccompanied kids. They showed up to the border by themselves, but other kids are being separated from their families. That's a new thing that they're kind of like, I'm sure they've always done it to some extent, but just recently that's been the hardline policy is if you show up with a kid, you get charged with human trafficking, your kid gets taken away and put in a foster home, possibly with actual human oh, traffickers. It's nice that we can teach the Americans some things. Yeah, that's exactly my thought. It was <laughs> like, they've got this crazy, uh, oh, good. please still be recording. Please. <laughs> it wasn't. Oh, wait. Hold on a second. Darcy, we've lost you. That's fine, Kieran. I don't think I have anything to contribute to your incredibly interesting facts rundown. All right. All right. Yes, it wasn't recording, but we're recording again. Um, yeah. No, no, no. You did have something to contribute. That's what we were talking about. Uh, this is, like, obviously an echo of oh, the yes. Australian immigration policy yeah, of yeah, deterrence or whatever. Well, not immigration. Illegal immigration. Oh, yes. Sorry. Illegal immigration. Uh, so, yeah, basically, we immediately institutionalize people in these concentration camps. Institutionalize is not the right word. Inter people in these concentration camps the second they get to our shore as a deterrent to other people seeking to come here the same way. That's right. They claim it's as a deterrent to people smugglers, but that's obviously not what's happening. Um, and here they separate parents from their kids the second they cross the border or fly in, or, or whatever, or boat, boat in. in. It's boat ins. They don't mind fly-ins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, so they, they separate the parents and the kids. Um, so at least, I guess, have they one-upped us here? Because at least we let the parents stay with their kids so that they can be like, my kid is, you know, super ill or suicidal. Please let us come back to the mainland. Ooh, have they one-upped us here? Um, yes, I think they have. I think they have only because our government is still obliged to occasionally yeah. do some medical interventions and things every yeah. now and again. Yes. And maintain the family cohesion. Yeah. Yeah. So good job, America. You took uh, the most monstrous uh, illegal immigration policy in the developed world and you made it just a little bit worse. Uh, so good job. Um there's a lot of confusion around this, uh, so it's worth picking out, like, just a few of the fuzzier aspects of the case. So, it's not ICE doing the rehoming of the kids, it's the Department of Health and Human Services. Okay. So, ICE gets the kids, arrests the parents, separates them, and then gives the kids to HHS, who then rehome them. Right. Uh, HHS unequivocally denies legal responsibility- uh, because technically, in the law, they're not legally responsible for the kid once they're rehomed. And this is rehoming in America's notorious foster system, yeah? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, so, they're saying that, like, yes, we've lost track of nearly 1,500 kids, but we're not legally responsible for that because we followed all of the steps of the protocol. So, this is classic, like, technically true, 
uh, morally repugnant uh, kind of shit. And what has also another important point to make is that this separation at the border thing is new under Trump, but this rehoming of immigrant kids thing isn't a Trump initiative or a new thing or whatever. In fact, in 2016, at the very end of Obama's term was when they decided to make it like a little bit more humane than it had been. But under Obama's uh, administration, obviously he wasn't fucking very good on uh, illegal immigration either. And they had the same sort of foster system and... Eight kids in 2016 were literally fostered with human traffickers who sold them to an egg farm in Ohio. So that administration also enabled child slavery. Uh, I am saying this not to say that both sides are the same or to exonerate Trump because he's obviously a fucking dillweed, but just to say that there is systemic problems that are at fault and that people need to stop championing Obama as... Yeah, Obama was essentially a more acceptable face of of George W. Bush. Mm. He was articulate and he was urbane and he was intelligent and interesting and very charming uh, and presided over a complete and total continuation of everything he'd been elected to turn around. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. At best, you could say that he was spineless, but I think that that even is giving him a little bit too much No, he was complicit. Yeah. He was totally complicit. Definitely. Um, But yeah, this this, uh, automatic separation thing has been instituted by uh, Trump and his fucking rogues gallery of morons and blatherskites. And, uh, yeah, there's some pretty horrific photos of, like, kids lying down in cages because they're literally kept in cages while they're processed and stuff. So, obviously, we are in uh, the dystopia that- Yeah, well, this is this is the man fear. who wanted to give Sheriff Joe a medal. Right? Yeah, yep. Is that, were you able to find any reference or um, announcement justifying- this policy, like what, what, what's their stated reason for uh, their stated for reason is to deter. They right. they say that uh, hopefully, uh, you know, people will stop bringing their kids into this country because they know that they're going to get separated. But um, yeah, it's like we've made it. So the parents are charged with people trafficking. Is the thing that's really? happening? That's 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 okay. the change, right? So they're saying that if you bring a kid mm. into the country, then you're trafficking people into the country. And so we have to prosecute the adult as a criminal, and therefore we have to separate them from their kids. And hopefully this hardline measure will deter people from coming in. So then this is just another example of the criminalization of what are at worst actually just civic offenses. Yeah. But in this case, uh, a criminalization of what is not an offense, because legally, under international law, Mm -hmm. there's actually nothing illegal about- turning up and claiming asylum. Yeah, well, I think that this is the way to try and- This is the attempt to find a loophole in that by saying, well, it's not illegal to, to seek asylum, but it is it is illegal to traffic people across borders. Yeah. So, I mean, it's technically, yeah, a criminal thing, even though obviously- I mean, there are people defending it, so I can't say the dumbest moron in the world would see this for what it is, but- No, of course they wouldn't. Um, because th- this idea about using abuse as a means of creating social betterment mm. is really popular at the moment with 
all major parties around the world, as far as yeah. I can see, possibly with the exception of Corbyn's Labour Party. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have I a... I can't think of any other yeah. major political parties that are not buying into this, you can abuse your society into better shape mentality. Which... Yeah. No, certainly here, both parties love that shit. Um... Well, they, they have to, because the alternative is acknowledging that neoliberalism and neoconservatism have both failed completely and mm. aren't going to bring about better behaved, yeah. healthier people. Yeah, that the and government so actually the, does have The only alternative to... is to be draconian. Yeah. Um, and we see that, yeah, very much emerging in Australia. Mm -hmm. Bill Shorten has once again stuck his head over the walls and said, don't worry, Australia, we too will stop the boats. This blows my fucking mind <laughs> because, like, it was hard enough under the previous Labor government when they kind of went in on this as well. Uh hard enough to watch that you would think after the relentless tragedy of our uh illegal yeah. immigration policy i'm putting that in scare quotes every time i say it or imagine me doing it yeah yeah illegal is always in scare quotes yeah yeah um for for, for most most not just for this but most instances <laughs> yeah, in yeah. which we use it <laughs> usually usually there's like yeah once a year i might say illegal genuinely because it's, yeah, always used for this purpose. Um, what was my point? Yeah, yeah, yeah. After the after the last go Labour government and then the, the absolute fuck-ups that this government has been experiencing, why would Labour then double down on that? I know why, but fucking have a heart, for fuck's sake. Well, they don't think that having hearts uh, wins hearts. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then- and you know, creating their again, own it, it, correctness, right? It's, it's really straightforward. Either you accept that modern liberalism has comprehensively failed and mm. the whole system needs to be replaced, or you just have to be increasingly violent towards people who don't fit into that system yeah. or who have been directly failed by the system and are trying to survive anyway. Yeah. Yes. It's that simple. Yeah. You know, this is- Start like we're, we're literally trending back mm. to Elizabethan law and order, where yeah. it's just like, hang, hang him, just hang him, just hang <laughs> him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, For vagrancy, you could get hanged if you if you were caught being mm. vagrant a second time. That's all that, <laughs> that was it. Gallows, two strikes. Baseball was a much faster game back the, 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 <laughs> in the first time. Times. You got your they they gave you like a serum a, a, a judicial ear piercing through the. They called it gristle, but but through the cartilage, the yeah. hard cartilage of your ear, with a with a hot iron nail. Holy shit! Yeah, I mean that. How the fuck is that going to deter vagrancy? Mm, that's like a very good question. <laughs> Maybe like some sort of home building program. Yeah. <laughs> Punish me with a fucking home for fuck's sake, so that I will therefore be incapable of remaining vagrant. But even at the end, towards the end of the Elizabethan era, mm. people started clocking onto the fact that. Oh, all of this vagrancy and all these poor people wandering around the countryside. Maybe they're mm. not just shirkers. Maybe we should yeah. instigate. And so Queen Elizabeth's Privy Council installed like a, a parish official mm. whose job was essentially to find work for wandering poor. Yeah. As long as they weren't Jews or gypsies. Um, mm. And so we're in some ways, 
moving backwards from yeah. the Elizabethan era. I think so. In terms it's, of, you know, philosophy of government. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. I did a little bit of research uh, for this for another purpose around, like, uh, Patrick Colquhoun, who established the first sort of public police system in England, the River Police. Um Preventive police, sorry. Uh, there were detectives before that, but they worked on commission or whatever. So this was the first salaried preventive uh, police mm, what force. What era was this? We're we looking at in like the, the 18th century. 18th century, I think. Uh, I don't have my notes on me, but yeah, just before the Peelers, right? Um, like so, late 18th, early 19th century. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's interesting reading, and yeah, sorry, that led me to the Peelers, and it's interesting reading their charter how much more humane police was at its inception, even though, like, you know, the Peelers are the Peelers. Well, I'm not yeah, fucking- I mean, but this this was Robert Peel's whole point, was I feel like we shouldn't be using the army yeah, to yeah, police yeah. people. So, like- Because they're trained to kill. Pretty much, there's, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's eight principles or whatever, and, like, five of them are literally just, like, we're there under the grace of the public, we are the public, don't piss off the public, don't be a dick. Like, you know, you can only police uh, yeah, by God, consent. That's like a, yeah. And now we've just- And that kind of ties into this whole Foucault thing about, like, old versions of punishment to then the disciplines, which is kind of well, when, what we work under now. Can't go into that because yeah. it, it takes a long time to explain. But yeah, God, that's like a- to revert back from that society to <clears throat> a more outwardly public punitive one is Well, I think the, the difference is- um, Robert Peel's police force was mm. in a lot of ways a response to the French Revolution mm. um, where the British elite had seen close as you can be back then to first hand what happens if you just try to use violence to cure social problems which was yeah. what the uh, Ancien Regime uh, did and mm. you know they died yeah, because yeah. it turns out millions of peasants can be more violent than thousands of soldiers, especially yeah. <laughs> before machine guns were invented. Yeah, and yeah, I mean, it makes sense again, like from a sensible conservative point of view, mm. it makes sense to make this concession to the public. Yeah, well, it's the, it's the same thing that happened in the forties, right? In in the US, when they were like, "Oh fuck, all right, we see what's happening around the world. Let's do the New Deal so yeah. that we don't have a." Yeah, let's- Communist revolution here. That's right. New Deal was orchestrated largely by Italian and German fascists who were imported. uh, Yeah. Because the American (laughs) government had no experience in nation building projects. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And coordinated infrastructure work. So the question then becomes- White power. if, If the US is doing this shit with immigration and if Australia is doing this shit with immigration and it's extremely like punitive and like militarized police and we have now instead of nice friendly names for our law enforcement uh, organizations we have shit like border force yeah and ice and shit like that then like how does that play in do you reckon to this this idea of like something has to give so that the rest of the world can be like oh fuck concession time well that's a good question i don't know how painful it's going to get these policies don't work um as long-term prevention measures because they don't address any of the causes of why people are seeking asylum no not at all it's purely symptomatic like yeah I think that, yeah, we can say that with confidence that this is political and not in good faith. No, of course not. Um, 
I don't know how long it has to take, though. Mm. I, I, I don't think the Australian public are going to be particularly concerned about the people in Nauru or Manus until our own security situation becomes sufficiently dire that we kick back against the whole machine. Yeah, well, at the present, it's in that deferral state, right, where we can scapegoat somebody. Pretty much. I I feel like a similar thing could be true of America. Mm. Although- it's getting diminishing returns because their material conditions have gotten bad enough- So much worse, it's true. Huge swathes of the pop- (laughs) I I split the difference between swathes and swathes. Swathes. Great lashes of the population. Yeah. uh, Fuck, they they have now started to kind of- Yeah, well, they've got less to lose than we do. Um, Mm. They've got a a more retarded political structure, though. You Mm. know, so you've got- two-thirds of the country are centrist to progressive mm. and a third to a quarter of the country are reactionaries. Mm. But because of their ludicrous federal system, the Republicans still manage to outnumber Democrats in all fields. Yeah, yeah. And that allows the Democrats also to not worry about the more progressive elements of their base, which mm. is increasingly becoming most of their base. Yeah. So America will require... As, as bad as America is, I think America will require to get much worse than Australia before something changes, Yeah, if only because their system of government is much less allowing for the public will to be represented. Yeah. My hope is that because we're such uh, obsequious lapdogs politically on a global scale, that if the pins fall in the US and the UK, and then maybe in sort of like France- uh, that the possibility will increase for you- the same to happen here. I don't. I'm not confident about that, but that's my hope. I don't think they have the wit to uh, learn from the disastrous examples of the UK. Mm. Um, maybe America, possibly. Well, I, I'm saying, I'm saying, like, if they see the solutions come into play, and then all of a sudden, you know, like, if the UK's material conditions were to go up with a Corbyn-led government, although he's got a well, lot of- Well, I don't think do. they will, but that's that's not going to be the fault of a Corbyn-led government. That's because yeah. a Corbyn-led government will be pretty much right after Brexit's happened. So, yeah. Britain's economy will be just hemorrhaging. Yeah, yeah. Hercules had a legitimately superhuman amount of work that he could do before he ever started to make those staples nice, is That's what you're true. saying. That's yeah. true, yeah. And he happened to be a legitimately superhuman person. Yeah, um, yeah. So Corbin, be much harder for Jeremy. 15 billion tons of auroch shit to clean up <laughs> is going to be struggling. But he, can, he could definitely lay down the foundations for later prosperity. Yeah, yeah, if it were to sustain somehow. Who knows, man? Which David... I don't know, Jacob Reese Mogg's children can claim credit for when they become (laughs) (laughs) batch of leaders. Yeah, yeah. So that's, uh, I mean, we diverged a little bit from the main topic, but I think Yeah, sorry, we did. I think that's important because- But the main topic in itself, it's not very interesting. It's just- Well, it's just a self-contained case of violence, isn't it? Violence against Um, innocent people, yeah. Yeah. God. But it reflects what's happening here, and it reflects the broader it's, system yeah. of, like you say, like uh, the barbarity will get worse, yeah, basically because they're defending the indefensible. Yeah, and I think it echoes the school shooting thing as well, which is a whole other topic for sure. But like when people were like, "If Sandy Hook doesn't break the resolve of these uh, people, 
then nothing will and it'll get worse. Those people turned out to be right. Now yeah. there's a school shooting. Well, the, the incidents themselves are not going to break mm. the will of the gun lobby. The only thing that can break the gun lobby is a sustained and inexhaustible campaign by yeah. the American people who want change. Yeah. They're not, the, the lobby's not going to, n- n- none of these, these bastards never change yeah. because something bad happens and they go, oh no, I've made a terrible mistake. Well, yeah, I think people <laughs> you have were- to bully them. People were hoping- and bludgeon them and kick them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. People the were hoping, obviously, naively, but people were hoping that it would break the resolve of the politicians to revise the way that uh, money came into government. But yeah. obviously that didn't happen. The politicians happen. don't have any resolve to, to break. That's yeah, ridiculous. That's, it's like trying to break wet wa- water, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fucking ridiculous idea. Exactly. I was reaching for the same analogy as you were <laughs> saying it. Um, uh, yeah. Oh, man. I don't know how- That's. I mean, that's, that's the intractable problem of commercial I, concerns in government, look, I, I, I guess. I guess as, as the American government- Because what they're doing is really- when you try to defend an unworkable liberal order mm. with incredibly illiberal policies, yeah, then the economy will start to suffer mm. massively, massively, massively suffer, as well as everything else. The reason I'm picking up on the economy, which I hate as a as an expression, as if it's separate to society, yeah, yeah. but that financial aspect of sociology. Yeah. will start to show up the the flaws in the logic yeah. and then maybe some elites within the business community will start an effective lobby campaign to alleviate yeah yeah migration that's, it's so frustrating that that's really the way that it has to go is you have to convince the villain of the story to turn and be like, I'm going to find a new way to be villainous. Yeah, it's well, no longer profitable you, for me it, to v- be villainous in this way. I guess really liberal politics is about trying to bedevil the devil, isn't it? Yeah, You're going yeah, to try and yeah. hope that you can outplay Satan. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And there are not that many good fucking fiddle players out there. There's not. And this is kind of why we're in this mess, right? Because mm. of constantly attempting to make a short-term deal with the devil Mm. And hope that he won't collect his dues at any point yeah. is is why America's. But you die every four years, yeah. So you're constantly doubling down. <laughs> I mean, like double or nothing. You're up to fucking like seven billion souls at yeah. this point. Do you really want to keep playing? Yes, I'm gonna gonna hope that I can create some sort of soul hyperinflation and crash hell's economy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Then we'll move in under the auspices of humanitarian relief. When really what we're relieving is your oil reserves. <laughs> so you must have a lot of oil to sustain all of that fire. Surgical airstrikes on the deep pit. Pandemonium in pandemonium. I love it. <clears throat> uh, anyway, yeah, let's let's tie a bow on that and uh, move on. What's... Uh, yeah. It, well, I this mean, is a sucks. related... We decided my auxiliary topic today would be the one more relate, more relevant to your main topic, mm. which is the concept of race, racism, and xenophobia mm-hmm. and clarity of language when we're discussing these things. Yes. What was going on in Australia, going to say, two and three years ago mm. when the True Blue crew and the great Aussie patriot... And yeah. the Australian conservatives and all this, Pauline Hanson was starting to 
do a greasy pole dance again. Yeah. Was um, <laughs> you know, this this big big semantic point that they mm. kept drudging off, which is that Islam is not a race. It's a religion, yeah. so we can't be racist. Yeah. Ha! Tricked you. Buried you. Now you have to accept our vile points of view because of a semantic uh, trick. Which the like the original sophists would have blushed, mm. I think, if yeah. they'd asked yeah. them to pr- present that in the, uh, in the agora. <laughs> but- <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Got an education, mate. (laughs) Fancy. (laughs) I know the uh, Greek and the Latin words for fora. Ah, good. Uh, So, (laughs) they were not wrong, Uh. though. This is the thing. Like, race is basically, scientifically, we know Mm. race is a way of expressing, essentially, what the melanin content of your skin is. It's a completely fucking void concept. Mm. The problem- what concerned them was a xenophobic problem, yeah. which is a fear of foreigners, fear of foreign culture, fear of foreign ways. Yeah. That's what their concerns were. Mm. I spoke to a lot of these people at one of the rallies where um, they, like a lot of, because they have to come from, let's be honest, you know, far away from the CBD to get to this, uh, <laughs> the Fed Square rally. Yeah. A lot of them turned up late and the police had already cordoned off the, uh, so you had the True Blue crew in there posse of yeah. just orcs from Mordor, basically. <laughs> yeah. You had uh, a great unwashed of um, Greens voting students and skinheads against racism, mm. which we didn't We didn't have a skinhead fight. I was. I wanted it to be a bit like Pokemon, where we could have had the, the left-wing skinheads and the right-wing skinheads, have it, but the police had horses, and I know <laughs> you're not allowed to do that. Such uh, killjoys. Such killjoys. And the skinheads were both up for it. They would have loved oh, it. Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> it would have been the only real kind of cross-party <laughs> yeah. solidarity that was going to occur, to be honest. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it was, a, it was a hot day. And after a while, I got bored. Mm. Um, there, were enough, there were enough good guys there. So I had this like, one group who kind of kept coming back and back and back. I said, look, guys, you're not going to get in. Even mm. if we let you through, which we won't, the police definitely aren't going to let you through. Mm-hmm. I'm bored. I'm sure you're bored. Why don't we go to Young and Jackson's and have a beer with Chloe mm-hmm. and actually have like a conversation about what your concerns are and why I don't think that you need to be so worried about it. Sure. And they agreed because it was hot and everyone was sweaty. Yeah. Uh, but was, the rules were, though, no angry beers. If we do this, <laughs> I will get the first round. We are going to be grown-ups and actually discuss what you think the problem with Muslims is. Mm. And, you know, what you put in the problem with Islam is, which I'll probably- fucking agree with you <laughs> right <laughs> i'm not a fan of religion especially yeah islam's a particularly boring one sure sure so we went to the pub and we had a proper chat and what became very clear very quickly was although i would say these guys definitely did have racist sympathies yeah their overriding concerns about muslim migration to australia were not racist they were xenophobic sure they were worried about the culture of islam and they were massively over overstating and overrating mm. Islam's capacity to affect contemporary Australian culture. Yeah. Which it just won't. Um, I mean, yeah. There's not, you know, like it's, it's not a particularly attractive religion if you haven't been brought up with it. It's yeah. a very sterile, dull religion. It's like yeah. on par with Mormonism for mm. unconvincing and, and tedious. A lot of responsibilities. A lot of- uh, There's a lot of responsibilities with very few benefits. It has ver- no perks, in fact, while you're alive at all. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it's in Arabic, 
So for Islam, the, the the Quran will not be translated into English as an accepted kind of you know theological device. Yeah, Australians aren't going to learn a second language, no. especially not just for a religion. <laughs> we yeah. don't we don't do it for trade and wealth. We're not going to do it for religion. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Xenophobia and racism need to be differentiated, though, because racism is like a pseudoscience mm. which posits genetic hierarchies between imaginary races. Mm. So you've got, you know, big in America, it's much bigger in America than it is in Europe or Australia, mm. this concept of, you know, earth and blood and Aryanism and- Yeah, there is something else that I would like to add yeah, to this later, later oh, right. I'll let you finish. Whereas xenophobia is mm. not- a pseudoscience at all. It's literally just fear of an unknown culture. Yeah. And worry that your culture that you're familiar with is going to be changed by this unknown culture. And that can be addressed really easily, actually, mm. if you do not call xenophobes racists. Yeah. Because that just makes them not listen to you. It makes them angry, especially ones who actually aren't racists, like who aren't yeah, concerned yeah, yeah, yeah. about Arabs turning up genuinely aren't concerned about Arabs. They're just concerned about Muslims. Which there is a surprising amount of that. And that's where you get those gaps of like the Indonesian spokesman for one of those far right groups that was uh, being like, look, you know, I'm proof that they're not racist. So therefore let the rest of their views go uncontested. (laughs) Because they think you're Chinese and they've calmed down about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yes. Um, Everyone agrees that East Asians are basically fine. I don't think mm. there's still a massive um, social anxi- public anxiety about East Asians. Mm. The Chinese government itself, maybe, but mm. e- even like really xenophobic parts of the constituency are admirably not attributing that to Chinese people anymore, which is good. Yeah, yeah. Um, and- my experience dealing with people who've got xenophobic concerns mm. is, provided they are just xenophobic concerns, not racist concerns. You can't really speak to a racist. This is the big difference. Yeah. There's not much you can say to a racist. A xenophobe yeah, yeah. is somebody who can be shown a better way. Yeah, well, because it's- if it's- I mean, they're probably both principally motivated out of fear or whatever, but if the xenophobe, if the xenophobe is- motivated out of this fear of a foreign culture, you can allay somebody's fears. You by- can absolutely allay people's fears, provided your own position is strong enough and your own understanding of the facts is strong enough. Yeah. Then, yeah. yes, you can absolutely allay people's fears. Because a xenophobe is not somebody who's invested, like, years and years and years building up this ludicrous intellectual structure or pseudo-intellectual structure yeah. of racial hierarchies and eugenics and- yeah. In- inherent it characteristics yeah, and all this shit. concretized into a sort of self-propelling worldview. Precisely. And, and they may not be inclined to ever arrive at that position. Mm. Xenophobia is still very dangerous. Yeah, of course. And it does need to be dealt with. Well, that's Pauline Hansen's whole but, deal is she runs on Oh, that. whatever the fucking flavour is. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's all- Her fish and chip shop was only specials. There was no regular <laughs> menu. <laughs> it was literally just catch of the day, catch of the day, <laughs> catch of the day. Uh, Probably another reason why she it failed miserably. Mm, mm. Um in the face of legitimately a, the greatest <laughs> political tragedy of our times, the failure of that. Damn you, Fang! Could, could have moved to another town. Yeah, 
would you go back in time and kill Fen? I would. I would explain why it was really important for him to set up shop in another shithole. Yeah, yeah. Please, just one town over, you'll be prosperous. I'll come buy fish and chips from you. I'll drive out. This is fucking. I would, I would, I would set up centers. Uber Eats in the nineties to allow him to still service that community. Mm. <laughs> um. So the one thing that I wanted to add on to that, uh, I don't think I'm not taking exception with what you're saying, but it is a supplemental kind of thing. Is when we talk about racism in a broader term, there is this issue of like systemic racism. Which, yes. Uh, so you're talking what, about racism as a social structure. Yeah, which is what just because like that is a big topic of conversation now, and I don't want people to listen to this and be like, "Oh, they're fucking completely missing the point." No, obviously there is systemic racism. The way that institutions and groups have processes baked in which That's totally disproportionately true. affect uh, people of different races and stuff. That's and a footnote to your critique mm. is that if you're using racism to mean institutional. Yeah. social structure you need to fucking define that before you start using the term racism yeah well there, because that there is, is a very technical way of using racism yeah it is not the original way of using racism and is what virtually nobody who's not part of a leftist think tank means when they say racism well this is something that this is why i brought it actually yeah. because it's frustrating to me that there are now people insisting that when racism and sexism are used as terms that they are referring to systemic racism and to sy- systemic sexism. And that, that bothers me as, uh, as a person who thinks that clarity of language is incredibly important on these issues yeah. as well. That you have the term <clears throat> systemic racism, you have the term systemic sexism. Yeah. Use them because the only reason you're failing to communicate with these people is because you call somebody a sexist and they might not be sexist, but they might be participating in institutional sexism. Well, we're, we're all sexist or, in as far as our participation in a sexist society yeah, makes yeah. us sexist. Yeah. It, I mean, it almost doesn't make sense to refer to an individual as systemic systemically sexist. But I sexist. understand how it can be a useful uh, gesture at times. Anyway, that, that point of clarity is very important. So that's why I wanted to bring that up to make sure- No, I agree with we you. Couldn't, because I, I was actually- uh, um, I, had, I had forgotten- that part of the conversation, which Mm. is, yeah. So, on the left and the right, political nerds use language differently to how the general public uses language, and that often translates really badly, and this is a very good example of it. Yeah, there's a bunch of areas of loggerheads, many of which I feel like I'm probably not qualified to- uh, To talk about, but that delineation at We're least We're not qualified to discuss anything that we talk about, Kieran. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, I'm both literature students. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a failed literature student. Mm, mm, uh, there's, it's self-failed, self-selected out. Yeah, true. Um, true. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Principally failed. Um, yeah, so these- uh, terminology clarification topics that you've been bringing in, I think are important. They're very important because all that political discussion is, Mm. is essentially, well, not all of it, but it it relies pretty fucking heavily on your understanding of terminology. Mm. You know, if you read like the Socratic dialogues, Socrates' brilliant philosophical insight was essentially word games. 
yeah, his yeah. capacity to make people say things that they mm. or make people think that they're saying things that they're clearly not saying. Like poor old Callicles in the Gorgias who just keeps fucking walking into <laughs> the same trap over and over and over again. Yes. Of, let, of letting Shakespeare that, even though I don't get the reference. Ah, so <laughs> basically in the Gorgias, Sha- mm. Shakespeare's having a conversation with Callicles and it's about mm. whether democracy or aristocracy is the best form of government. And yes. Callicles lets Socrates Did you say Shakespeare the first time? Possibly. (laughs) (laughs) Look, he's a better writer than Pluto. Plato. (laughs) (laughs) Shit. While we're talking about clarity of language and using it, it's impossible to discuss clear grammar without making a grammatical error. Yeah, yeah. It's just impossible. The point is what we're trying to do. That's accuracy. Um. Yeah, Callicles keeps letting Socrates define the terms of the argument. Yeah. Every time Callicles makes an assertion, Socrates says, ah, so by that, do you mean this? And mm. Callicles never challenges any of Socrates' redefinitions of what he's saying. Yeah. It's very important to get technical language correct in a political conversation. Absolutely. Because politics is about getting people to accept semantics. Mm. Yeah. I worry that, like, I think that clarity is fucking super important, uh, obviously, but I worry clarity that- Clarity is super mm, important. There's an ironic statement. All right. <laughs> steady on. Uh, well, you got me on Shakespeare. Part, of, a- <laughs> part of me worries that the entire political project depends so much on this level of information control and redefining terms and- brute forcing your own definition of a term into something that it might be just a fucking losing battle. Oh, that's look like pedantry is almost always a losing battle where language is concerned. Yeah. You know, um, the, the history of English is the history of pedants being buried by populists every single time. Mm. But it's advice that you ignore at your peril. If you want to be able to have a cathartic screaming session you know, at or about a racist, then yeah. go for it. If you want to be able to affect change by mm. teaching a xenophobic person the error of their ways, you'd do well to heed what I have to say, mm. basically. And if you would like to be able to side, because people might be stupid enough to be spouting these xenophobic shit, uh, these xenophobic things or whatever, but they're not so stupid that you can get away with being fuzzy with your language. And when you are, that's immediately what they pick up on. And that's immediately why, that's why these conversations immediately devolve into this quagmire is because the second you have somebody saying, I'm not racist because it's a religion. If you don't immediately fucking pull back and clarify your terms, then you just get sucked into this wormhole and people, I think intuitively understand what they're saying, but they try to follow it down some different path where it's like, oh, but, you know, you're treating the religion like a race or something. And the second you make a concession and a weird sideways move like that, you're fucking lost. You're not going to convince anybody. No, that's absolutely right. Hmm. That's our, that's our hour. Yeah, that is our hour. Um, I guess that's it then. Well, that's good night from me. That's good morning from me, beautiful. And... Ah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was 100% creepier than I wanted it to be. Kieran was trying to look at nothing somehow as he yeah, said that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but was, he kept his eyes open. I was visualizing. It was a weird thing to watch. Yeah. I'm <laughs> deeply sorry for that, listener. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.
shit like best. 